My name is Betsy Rubarsik, and I'm your host of Teachers Show Me the World, a podcast for teachers who want to venture beyond the four walls of their classroom and make their subject come to life through educational travel. This podcast will be a toolbox of tips, tricks, and resources that will enable you to create a world travel program at your school that will enhance your students' education through life-changing, hands-on, experiential learning and help you become a teacher who shows your students the world. The very first year of my teaching career, I got this grandiose idea that I was going to be taking a field trip with my students to Washington, D.C. for one day. (laughs) I actually live in Michigan, so the fact that I was ambitious enough, or perhaps I should say naive or even foolish enough, to take my students to Washington, D.C. for one day was, yes, a huge rookie mistake. We actually flew into Washington, D.C. bright and early that morning, and we flew home late that night, and we were back in our own beds by midnight. So it was a whirlwind experience, to say the least. That was the first time I ever did it, and I have to confess it was the last time I ever did it. (laughs) Why was it the last time I ever did it? Because of one very simple word, chaperones. (laughs) Yep, they can either make or break (laughs) your tour abroad experience. So it is up to you as that group leader to make sure that you vet and can trust and hand select the best chaperones you possibly can. So today I'm actually going to be talking about what sort of criteria, what sort of vetting, what sort of expectations, all of these components that go into actually building your world travel program and hand selecting your chaperones. But before I do, let me tell you what happened on that one crazy day in May in Washington, D.C., So when I recruited my students, I mean, as I said, I was so green. Um, First-year teacher had no experience whatsoever leading trips outside of my community. The only thing that was going for me is that I had already traveled extensively, literally around the world at this point. I had done my student teaching in Malaysia. I had studied abroad in London. And between those two experiences, I had traveled to multiple countries all over Europe and Asia. And so I was very well traveled. So, you know, travel, you need to be able to know the system and the logistics and all of these things. So I felt confident going into this simple one-day trip to Washington, D.C., And so I recruited all of my actual students, and what I didn't do was I did not hand-select my chaperones. So that was my mistake number one. My mistake was a lot of kids said, oh, my mom or dad would really like to go. Can they come? They'll be the chaperone. 
And being a new teacher, I didn't know any difference. I thought, oh, great, they're adults. They'll be responsible. And uh, <laughs> and my life will be golden, right? Well, so when this all happened, I agreed to have about, I think there was about six parents on the trip that accompanied their child. And I had a group of about 20 kids. So I had a great student to adult ratio. So I thought I was pretty good. At the time, my school required a one to 10 ratio. uh, And so I was well within that number. And as I said, I'm dealing with adults, so I should be able to trust them. Well, two of the chaperones, I did not know at all. In fact, there was a mother and her daughter that I didn't know one bit. And I'm embarrassed to say that um, because I didn't know them, I made a very big rookie mistake (laughs) when we were at the Supreme Court. And after we received our tour, we all got back on our bus. And I asked all of my chaperones and the students if they're with their buddy. And well, they all were. Well, sadly, (laughs) the mother and daughter combo were actually holding each other accountable and they weren't on the bus. So neither one of them were there to take into account that the other wasn't. And so we left and completely abandoned uh, a mother and daughter at the Supreme Court. And it took probably about three hours to retrieve them. <laughs> well, that was mistake number one. So you need to know your people well. You need to know your students well, and you need to be able to know the adults well. And the second incident that occurred that has completely redefined how I go about selecting my chaperones since that day. I had this father and he had a group of six kids that he was supposed to be in charge of. And we're at the Vietnam Wall. And there he is with my students behind the wall. So they're just out of my view. I can't quite see them. And when I come around the corner of the Vietnam Wall, what do I see? I see the father handing out cigarettes to my six students and smoking with them. Yeah. So from that moment on, I have to say that I made a personal promise to myself that I would never take another parent as a chaperone. At the very heart of a successful world travel program, ultimately are the people you choose to surround yourself with and work beside you to help support you. Ronald Reagan once said, Surround yourself with the best people you can find. Delegate authority and don't interfere as long as the policy you've decided upon is being carried out. So if you choose the right chaperone, you're going to be able to have that all-important trust factor so that you know that when you delegate a task, it's going to be completed to the standards in which you want to uphold and expect for your travel program. I don't know about you, but a reoccurring theme as friends or family or acquaintances find out what I do with my students, they constantly ask me. Actually, I should even say that strangers as well. So if I happen to be talking to somebody that I don't know that well, and they find out what I do with my students, for example, uh, this summer I'm leading a World War II trip. Uh, The emphasis is D-Day. And I cannot tell you how many people inevitably will say, well, 
If you happen to need a chaperone, just let me know. <laughs> like, I look at them and I can't help but think, really? I don't know anything about you, yet you want me to trust and be my right-hand man or woman with all of my students? No. So this is not something that I take lightly when it comes to choosing my chaperones. So many people, when they volunteer to be a chaperone, they really have no idea that this is not just a free trip. (laughs) This is a job. You work so hard while you are on tour. You're the first one up and you're literally the last one to go to bed. And this is not a vacation. I've never once thought of any of my student tours as a vacation. This is hard work. It's very rewarding work. I love what I do, but it is not a vacation. So if you happen to find people who think that, oh, if I'm a chaperone, I'm just going to get a free trip and we're going to have a great time. Oh, all's gravy. Yeah, they're not the people that you want to be choosing. So what exactly is the role of a chaperone? You know, in essence, they wear multiple hats during one of my tours. They act as a liaison between the students and if I have family traveling with their students, they're the liaison between me and my students and the travelers. Uh, Quite often, I will literally organize my chaperones with their groups, and each night I have a meeting with my chaperones about the next day's itinerary, and I share every little detail, and then they go on and share those details through usually through text, WhatsApp, or something like that, uh, with their travelers, and they are the buffer for me. Because if you've never been on a full-fledged tour, you are so busy, and you are working directly with the tour director. So for you to be able to get rid of that need to communicate every little detail with every single traveler, that's huge. So one of my biggest recommendations is make sure that each one of your chaperones has each one of their traveler's phone numbers so that they can text and communicate and be that buffer. Otherwise, you as that group leader, you will be inundated with so much information, so many questions, and it's complete burnout and overwhelm. I also make sure that I have the numbers of all of my travelers. And so at any moment, I'm able to reach out to them. That's a given. But the nice thing about having that chaperone as that communication liaison is it helps the chaperones, one, to build relationships with their group, and two, create that buffer so that I'm not being inundated with texts and having to communicate nonstop with students because your students and your travelers will definitely want those sorts of details. So assign that simple task to your chaperone. Um, In addition to that, I feel like one of the best things that I always make sure that my chaperones do is that any time that we have been dispersed as a group, even before we get onto the bus, my chaperone 
is always doing the head count of their group. So I'll just simply say chaperones, quick head count, and they literally can go around and count their little 10 heads or however many they're accountable for. I usually have them be accountable for six kids. And so they're easily able to count all of the kids up and then give me that, uh, you know, the thumbs up that everyone's here. And in addition, if they have to go ahead and share what our meetup time is going to be, they can break off into their small group and easily manage the information and communication with their uh, group. This next role that I'm going to talk about is absolutely invaluable. This is something that I really attribute to much of the success of my tours. And one of the things that I have my chaperones do is they keep a pulse on their little group that they are in charge of. And what do I mean by that? They're able to keep the pulse and understand the group dynamic They're able to understand the morale. They're able to uh, keep track of any sort of details that might become issues. So, for example, if there is a student-to-student dynamic that happens to be playing out, and as we all know, there is no shortage of drama when it comes to high schoolers, right? And so it's the chaperone's job to literally keep their eyes and almost like this intuitive uh, mindset of what is the overall vibe and feel and morale of their group. And if anything happens to come up or surface, they know then to completely bring the issue to me and ultimately I'm the one that deals with it. But I cannot be the eyes and ears of everyone. So, for example, this summer, I will be leading a trip of 54 people. And there is no way I could possibly be able to have a pulse on every single person's mood, everyone's health, everyone's mental health, all of these sorts of things and the group dynamics and friendships and all of that stuff. So that is absolutely essential that you inform your chaperone that this is one of their roles so that they can then go to you and be that liaison, that communicator, and to put these sort of issues in the forefront so that you can deal with it. This next job description of a chaperone is really a matter of life or death. So you're going to be having a lot of travelers on your trip that um, could potentially have food allergies, either be gluten-free or peanut-free or peanut allergies if or nut tree nut allergies, not just peanut. I actually was just in Italy with my students and I had a, a student that was extremely allergic to any sort of tree nut. And if you know anything about Europe, they love their Nutella. And so that was a big issue. But anyway, what I was going to say was, before you go on tour, you need to make sure that all of your chaperones are fully aware of any student or traveler that happens to have any sort of uh, food allergy. And specifically, those teachers who have them in their exact group. And so, uh, you know, there's always room for error. Uh, no matter what, you can 
let your travel company know that there are certain food allergies on your trip, your students with allergies, but there is always room for mistakes. So it really is imperative that your chaperone at each meal advocates for their group or specifically any child with allergies and literally examines each and every element of food. So for example, I had a student with this tree allergy, tree nut um, allergy, and my chaperone that was assigned to her every evening, she would go ahead and uh, verify that the food was in fact free of any sort of tree nuts. Well, as a group leader, I also advocate, and it's your job to advocate for um, your students with allergies, but it really has to be that chaperone that is the eyes and the ears on the ground. And I hate to even admit this, but on one evening, we were given a dessert and it was almost like a sponge cake sort of thing. And within the middle layers of this cake was a form of Nutella, hazelnut spread. And my chaperone did not catch it. And my student, actually, I should say my chaperone did catch it. She's, she's the one that saved the day. But the staff, the wait staff did not catch it, even though the, they had been informed of the tree nut allergy. And my, my chaperone's one who saved the day. And she took a bite of that dessert. And it was almost like a medieval cupbearer whose job is to taste the food before the king can eat. So she tasted the dessert before she let her tree nut um, allergy student take a taste. And sure enough, my chaperone tasted that hazelnut. And she's like, holy cow, nope, stop, do not eat this. And my student was on Honestly, um, her life was saved because she has to travel with an EpiPen and uh, she has anaphylactic shock, all of that. And so it could have been very bad. So that chaperone literally saved the day. In addition to being in charge and being knowledgeable about the food allergies, chaperones are going to be in charge of the daily wake-up calls of their students, the bedtime checks, and making sure students are staying in the room. Uh, when you check into a hotel, make sure that your chaperone is uh, taking the keys that you give them and then they are the one distributing all of the room keys to their group. Um, in addition, uh, each of your chaperones should be keeping track of their traveler's hydration. Uh, dehydration is so prevalent on these tours. I don't know what it is about teenagers, but they just don't think to drink water. <laughs> and so I always make sure that my chaperones do a little water check with my students. How, how many things of water have you drank today? When was the last time you drank water? And especially when you're traveling and you're dealing with the recovery of jet lag and time zones, all of those things play into easily having uh, dehydration come into play. And so make sure that your, your chaperone is keeping track of that. And then in addition, knowing what their students' medical needs are. And so I always make sure that my chaperones are fully aware of any sort of medication that my travelers have a need to take or any other medical conditions as well. The more information you're able to empower with your chaperones, the greater success they will have while on tour. So these are some of the fundamentals that I always make sure that 
I have my chaperones uh, follow through with while they are assigned this role. But if you want a more um, comprehensive list, go check out the chaperone list that I have available within my free resource page at www.teachershowmetheworld.com. And uh, you're able to access um, a chaperone list that you can easily share with your chaperones and give this to them so that they understand and know what they're getting into, right? It's not that free trip that sometimes some of these people think. So these are some of the roles and expectations, but then ultimately... Who do you choose as that chaperone? Who is that best candidate for you to entrust with your students? So not only are you entrusting the chaperone with your students, but parents need to be able to trust these people as well. Well, quite often, no matter what, uh, the most important, like the non-negotiable element for every single chaperone, I don't care if it's a colleague or if it's a family member or a best friend, I don't care. It has to be trust. You need to be able to trust them inside, outside, backwards and forwards. And in addition, quite often the the average educational uh, student tour group will always have the adults on tour go through some sort of background check, but trust is imperative. If you have any sort of lingering doubt of whether or not this person can be trusted, then they should not be on the trip. So once you have established who you can trust, here are some other good questions to ask yourself if this person is cut out for being a good chaperone on your trip and will they bring success to your program? So are they the sort of person who is willing to follow directions? Are they somebody who will acknowledge the fact that you are the group leader, they will not challenge your decisions, they will support your decisions, and they are ready to do whatever they you need them to do, and they will do it with a happy heart. That is a very, very, very important personality trait that if for some odd reason you have somebody that you might have as a chaperone, but you butt heads with them, there's some sort of control or power play that is happening, then don't bring them, okay? It's not worth your headache, and it certainly isn't good to have that sort of dynamic play out in front you know, in front of you and your students. Um, another thing that is extremely important, and I know this might be hard to come by, but if I could give you a huge piece of advice, it is choose a chaperone who has significant travel experience, not just within the United States. I'm talking about abroad because it is well within the realm of possibility that you could potentially, or they could potentially get lost with their students. And do they feel nav- uh, comfortable navigating the metros of Paris? Are they going to be able to, uh, you know, not show fear if they're a little scared? Can they, you know, push that back and, and, and not freak out in front of students? Uh, are they somebody that if you are stuck behind having to deal with a student who might have a medical emergency or something like that, are they the ones who are able to then take 
the, the group and take the lead for you. So those are huge factors that you need to consider. I'm personally at the stage in my life where traveling overseas is not a scary unknown thing. It is literally the norm for me. And so I don't get butterflies. I don't get nerves. I know the systems that are in place with just, it's, it's easy for me now. And so I really, really depend on my chaperones to have a very similar resume. Now, I know that might not be completely possible, but you definitely need to find somebody who does not panic in intense, unknown situations. I always like to say, because I know one of the people one of the the biggest fears of people going overseas is what if i get lost <laughs> and and i have to laugh because it's all mindset i'm the believer that you're never lost you're just temporarily delayed and don't worry you'll figure it out it'll all be good and uh no need to panic and so that is a personality trait that you need to make sure that your chaperone has and if you're doubting whether or not they have that personality trait that's something that can be a learned behavior. So just have those conversations with them before the trip. Uh, assess their comfort level with being able, like, what is the potential of getting lost? What is the plan? What is the game plan if you lose a student? Um, I always tell my students that if you get separated from the group, you do not wander around whatsoever. So, for example, you lose a student in front of the Mona Lisa and... I, that student would know that they are not going to leave the room where the Mona Lisa is so that the chaperone or myself, we can retrace the steps and find that student there. So how is that person, your chaperone, going to handle that situation? So those are good things to know before you choose people to be your chaperone. The next trait that you should make sure that your chaperone has is the ability to bond with your students. Now, quite often, I know that a lot of group leaders use colleagues, teachers at the school that the students are already aware of. And I've done that. I'm, I've, I'm doing it right now, uh, this coming June. All my chaperones are my colleagues right now. But in the past, I haven't always done that. Uh, I've chosen family members, actually, because I prioritize the trust factor over the knowing the student factor. And starting out, when I first started leading these tours, I was at a relatively new school. I didn't know all my colleagues that well, but I knew I could trust my siblings. And so I actually had my brother go with me on a few different tours and then also uh, my sister. But with all that being said, you need each one of your chaperones to have the sort of personality that understands youth today, right? That gets along, that can be a mentor, that can be somebody that your students look up to. You do not want a chaperone who wants to be everyone's friend. That's not why they're there, okay? They are there to make sure that everyone stays safe. And then the secondary element is that people have a good time. So if you're have a chaperone that wants to be everyone's friend and prioritizes that, therefore being lenient on certain expectations that you have, fire them. <laughs> Do not have them whatsoever. Trust me, you're, I'm saving you a huge headache. But anyway, you want to make sure that you have chaperones that will have a good group dynamic with your students and you're 
adult travelers, if you bring any as well. Um, and then the other thing, it is really important that you take chaperones who are physically fit. These tours are extremely rigorous and they can be very demanding depending upon where your destination is. If you are heading to Europe, you are going to, it's quite conceivable that you will walk anywhere from eight to 14 miles a day. That is something that, uh, is true. (laughs) And so you walk, 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 walk while you're in Europe. Whereas when I took my students to Ecuador or to Costa Rica, we hiked and we had, uh, in Ecuador specifically, I remember, um, I had a chaperone who wasn't necessarily physically fit and she was not able to participate in this activity because it was a steep incline up to this volcano, the rim of this volcano. And sadly she was not able to go And not only did I feel bad for her, but I have to depend on my chaperones. I need to know that they can do everything that I'm requiring them to do. And that if something had happened with the students within her group, physically, she would, she wasn't there. She would not have been able to help them. Um, and I would have to respond and do all that. And so anyway, that's also something to consider when you choose them. And then the last two elements are, in my opinion, non-negotiables as well. The number one successful thing when it comes to being a good traveler is being flexible. You have to be able to roll with the punches and the whatnot, right? You cannot predict anything. I have countless bizarre stories about travel because travel in its very definition is unpredictable. But I'm a very spontaneous person, so I love that. I embrace it. But I'm also very flexible. And so you need to have a chaperone who's willing to uh, be flexible. And along with flexibility, always having an upbeat, positive attitude. Because students will be looking at the adults and kind of picking up on the vibe of how the adults are feeling. And so anytime we've had difficult situations, extended layovers or anything like that, I've always had chaperones that pick up the pieces and they make lemonade out of lemons in those moments and they turn the bad mood into great moods and the kids start having fun. And so if you have somebody who is a naysayer, who's constantly negative, complaining, giving bad energy, that is toxic. You do not need that and nor do your students. Trust me, your students have paid way too much money to be dragged down by some grumpy chaperone. So make sure that you surround yourself and your students with people who are upbeat and that can always bring that positive energy. I actually want to add one more piece to this category of who do you choose? Quite often there is the question of, do I choose a colleague or could I potentially choose a parent? I know I opened my podcast with the nightmare story of the dad handing out the cigarettes to my students. But I I can't say that every parent's going to be like that. I've had great experiences with parents since then. But I can say that I've never used a parent as a chaperone. Now, I've had plenty of parents go on my trips as paying travelers, and that has been great. But I have decided from the get-go I would not have parents be chaperones. And... 
I kind of feel that there are two reasons why I have made that decision. And so number one, if you have a parent who has paid for the trip along with their child, I would never have that parent be a chaperone because they are going to have a sense of entitlement. Well, I paid for this trip. I don't want to work on this trip. And their attention is really invested in theirs and their child's experience. And rightfully so. They paid a lot of money uh, to go on that trip. So I would never have a paying parent be a chaperone. Number two reason why I would never use a parent to be a chaperone is because if I gave them the free spot that my chaperones receive, I'm opening Pandora's box. So many parents, there's no way that that parent who I gave a free spot to would keep their mouth shut and not tell everyone. And then with Pandora's box being opened, so many parents would be angry with me. Well, why did so-and-so get a free spot and get to travel with their child? I'll be a chaperone. And it just becomes this snowball effect and it's just not worth it. So I always have detached my parents from any sort of responsibility on tour. And so either they are a paid customer or they don't go on my trips. And as I said previously, I use colleagues or personal friends or families that I can absolutely trust. And I know that they are aligned with my other expectations and standards for my trips. I hope this podcast has been helpful to help you actually define the role of your chaperones and the expectations. And as I said For you to have the most successful program, you need to surround yourself with people that you can trust, and in return, that will lead to your group and your trip's overall success. So I wish you all the best, and I hope that you in this journey are able to find the best people in your network that not only are you able to have wonderful memories with them, but they're actually able to invest in the lives of your students and make a difference. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, be sure to like and subscribe. And if you could do me a huge favor, leave a review because other like-minded teachers will find this podcast. In addition, if you're looking for great resources, be sure to check out my website, Teachers Show Me the World. When you go there, you'll find resources and additional blog posts that give other great tips and suggestions for how you can become a teacher that will show your students the world. In addition, we have a Facebook group that we would love for you to join. It's a great place to chat with other teachers and get ideas and inspire and support each other on this journey. Go to Facebook and search Teachers Show Me the World and join a group of teachers who are starting a revolution within the world of education and be the teacher who shows your students the world. Until next time, ciao!